Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. To me, what I really love about this business is the fact that, uh, you know, you touch people, you make them feel good, powerful, strong, you know, and no matter who they are, all of a sudden they accept who they are. It's a very interesting thing. Beauty is not necessarily a lipstick or a great haircut. It's, a, it's about how we perceive ourselves and how we feel about ourselves. Hey guys, welcome to Breaking Beauty, the podcast all about the best-selling beauty products and the damn good stories behind them. We're your hosts, Carlene Higgins and Jill Dunn. Welcome back to Breaking Beauty, everyone. Hi, Carlene. Hey, Jill. So, what's happening? Big mood today. Yeah. Big throwback <laughs> mood today. <laughs> you feel in your 90s self? Definitely. My quaffed 90s self. We have a founder episode on deck for today. We're profiling a serial beauty entrepreneur in the hair space. His name is Mr. Frederick Fakai. He's truly iconic, to, yeah. especially to beauty editors. You meet Frederick Fakai, you fall in love with him. There is no way <laughs> you can't. Born in Provence, Paris trained, lived in New York for decades now. And he's just a mover and a shaker. And, and uh, you guys are you guys are going to be obsessed with him, even if you're not that familiar with his brand or his story. Yeah, I feel like so many people had a crush on him because he was just like very suave, very good looking, like yes. man knows how to dress, you know. So Frederick started his salon in the 90s, as we said, mm-hmm. in New York. He um, definitely developed like an Upper East Side type of clientele. You know, he was one of the first to be charging $300 for a haircut. This yep. was back in the 90s. It was a big yep. deal. Really what made everybody flock to him was his celebrity connections. Mm-hmm. He did everyone's hair from Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. Martha Stewart, Oprah, Meryl Street. So this just sort of tells you like how in demand he was at that time and really was part of this kind of collective of New York power hairdressers at the time that were really making a name for themselves, not only in editorial, but like you wanted to get in to see this name, Yeah, you know, and he was also one of the first people I think to put his name on a salon and create this like huge 10,000 square foot oasis for people to come and get their hair cut for $300. Yeah, exactly. It was like where the ladies who lunch would go and literally be served lunch while they're in their chair. And he was actually so iconic that Frederick Fakai did a cameo in Zoolander. Remember that movie? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, his salons ended up being um, not a chain, but he definitely had different locations across the US. And then he also started his own hair care brand. Mm -hmm. He was like, listen, all these women want to drop all this money 
money. Yeah. I'm going to help them do this at home and yeah. give them the products. And so they were positioned as quite luxurious. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense because at that time, his contemporaries were Bobby Brown and Francois Nars. He probably saw what they were doing, put in their name on their own eponymous products. And he's like, wait, no one's doing this for hair. Maybe I should offer this as well. Yeah. Well, I also think back to that time and I feel like it was the era of blowouts. Yeah. Like I remember writing stories, maybe it was closer to, to like early 2000s, but it was about how to get that rich girl hair. You know, it was all about that blowout and that shine. Yeah, his brilliant glossing duo for shampoo and conditioner as well as the glossing cream. It won like every award. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so it was sold at all the high-end department stores. And I think, again, it just has to do with his taste level. You know, he's this Frenchman. He kind of knows what is, what's great style. Yeah. And to your point, he created a look. It wasn't like a stuffy Mm -hmm. roller set. It was very effortless and chic. That was very modern and of the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in 2008 though, Fakai sold his company, you know, I think it was just time to, to walk away. He'd been experimenting with different business models. Mm -hmm. Like the brand started going mastige. You Mm -hmm. were starting to find Fakai in drugstore. Stores, but I still remember going on a, a press trip around that time. It was probably one of the last before he sold the company and I was helicoptered in mm-hmm. to his home in upstate New York. And it was just like this gigantic manor. There was, we ate outside. I think Jean Godfrey June was there. Mm-hmm. There were like horses in the background. It was epic. It was friggin' epic. (laughs) Hard to forget. Yeah. Oh, I'll never forget it. But you know, it's interesting because after he sold his company, what you're going to hear about in this episode is like, he just couldn't sit still like Bobby Brown. He just, he was on to the next. And so more recently in 2017, he um, sort of rediscovered and relaunched this brand that's native to Provence where he grew up called Bastide. And the whole MO of Bastide is that it's focused on artisanal products handcrafted by these legendary are legendary makers Mm -hmm. in Aix-en-Provence. So there's candle makers, there's professional like glass blowers and these people who are like triple milling soap. And just like he's going to the best of the best. And these people have like honed their craft for their entire lives. And that's who's making these products for Bastide. It was a family Mm -hmm. company Mm -hmm. before he kind of helped us to save it. I read that they were kind of floundering and suffering. And so he was like, let's get this, let's get this going again. And again, bring it to North America, like a taste of Provence. Every, it's right. kind of like bottling up Provence. Yeah. You know, the fragrances are very high quality, fine fragrances. Um, I know you've talked about the Figamore mm-hmm. that you, in a previous episode, oh, you yeah. mentioned you really like that. I love that. that. It's just like all fine fragrances and just so beautiful. And you just do feel like it's straight from Gras or straight from Provence. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that I love about it is these like potpourri crystals that they have, mm-hmm. which even the word potpourri kind of like it's a bit triggering like I think of my aunt's house in the 1990s (laughs) but these are like they look like rock candy and they're scented and so when you have them displayed in this beautiful box on your coffee table beside your like coffee table books you're just like it's totally elevating that experience and I've literally never seen them before in any other brand yeah he's also got amazing and all natural liquid hand wash oh it's so Um, good they have different scents I really like the amber soir it's like 35 bucks in the US, $45 for the bottle in Canada. But it's this really heavyweight, beautiful 
beautiful amber vessel. It looks stunning on your countertop. To me, what this brand is great for is gifting. Yeah. You know, when you want to impress your boss, Bestied is a great go-to Christmas gifts. Their body cream, honestly, is so nice. It's like a jelly cream. The texture is Amazing. In a heavy glass jar yeah, that you would want to put on your vanity for sure. Well, perhaps surprisingly, Bastide will be launching their first ever skincare line this fall. So Frederick gives a sneak peek on this first foray into developing products for the face later in this episode. That's not all he's doing though. No, big (laughs) news. So like any founder who, and we've talked about this before on our show, the founder really is the magic behind the brand. It's the heart. And if the founder leaves a company, it often does struggle. We see it all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And so I think Frederick Fakai being who he is and knowing that there were products on the shelves out there in the world that had his name on them, but they didn't have a steward at the helm. There was nobody really looking after them. It probably deep down really bothered him. Yeah. The brand sort of started to flounder after he left. I think it lost its way. Business of fashion was had kind of a bit of a cutting article last year. They said Frederick Fakai had lost its cool factor. Mm. And I think that buying it back is really like a personal challenge for for Frederick to try to rebuild this brand, get it to compete with the ways of the world and the Brio Gios. Mm. Um, so I noticed there's a new sort of franchise called The One mm-hmm. that sold at Ulta. The packaging's really beautiful. I think it probably skews a bit more millennial, but we definitely ask Frederick about his plans for the future future toward the end of the episode. All of that being said, um, you guys just sit back, relax. You are going to enjoy every single moment of this episode. We had so much fun chatting. You know, off the top, we're going to take a step back and ask him a little bit about his life in Provence growing up there and uh, how that helped plant the seeds for where he is today. I'm Frederic Vicay. I live in New York, and I'm from Aix-en-Provence, France. What did your parents do, and how did they influence you? You know, it's interesting. Uh, uh, <laughs> this is a really, actually a disrupting question for me, because my father actually didn't influence me. He discouraged me. He <laughs> <laughs> discouraged me from, from, from doing what I wanted to do. Uh, I was uh, accepted uh, at the fine art school called Les Beaux-Arts in Paris, and uh, he refused to, for me to go there. So I had to uh, fulfill his dream is to go to a business school or to being a lawyer or something like that. So I went to law school, which uh, made me miserable uh, a year later. And uh, I was lucky enough uh, because I came from a very uh, small, modest background to make my own pocket money. I was doing some modeling on the side. And that is where I met this amazing uh, makeup artist, stylist that initiated me to this industry. Mm. And uh, so I quit law school and followed uh, a step and, uh, and that has opened up my, my, my life, my eyes. And so how do you go from being a model to being a hairstylist? So that's how I discovered that there were some talents, you know, when I was getting my hair done or when I was looking at models, beautiful models, getting their hair done, their makeup. That's, that's how I, just, I thought that there was 
actually a business there. Mm. And then uh, when the stylist that uh, hired me to assist her realized that I had uh, something about it, that I could actually do this, mm -hmm. she asked me, why don't I do this? And um, so I went, took some classes, worked with her as an apprentice, and... Uh, I realized that this was amazing. I mean, it's amazing not only because of the obvious of uh, the artistry and all this, but it's also the, how the people felt. Mm -hmm. The minute, you know, you had people in front of you or they were looking at the, the mirrors, they were sitting down, not so, so happy about themselves, and then transforming them. And you could see, I mean, their cheekbone, their eyes and their lips opening up. And it, all of a sudden, you know, for almost like a flower that always opens up and... Uh, And that, I said, my God, this is amazing what you can do with people. It's really not only you make them beautiful, but they feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. So to me, what I really love about this business is the fact that, uh, you know, you touch people, you make them feel good, mm -hmm. powerful, strong, mm -hmm. you know, and no mm -hmm. matter who they are, all of a sudden they accept who they are. It's a very interesting thing. Beauty is not necessarily a lipstick or a great haircut. It's, a, it's about how we perceive ourselves mm -hmm. and how we feel about ourselves. There's nothing like a good hair day. Yeah. <laughs> tell you that much. Um, and so how did that path then lead you to New York City? So um, in Paris, at the time, the French company I was working with uh, asked me if I could go to New York to open their first branch in the, in the U.S. And uh, I thought, oh, wow, that's a great idea. Why not? And I went there for one year thinking that I would go back to Paris stay another year, and then realized that when they wanted to transfer me to another city, I said, no, I'm staying here. New York you know, was a uh, love uh, at first uh, uh, sight, and, uh, uh, and you know, at the time, this is the 80s, uh, the energy in New York was unbelievable. I mean, it was unreal. It was amazing to, on every level, in fashion, in beauty, in, uh, in music, in uh, movies. I mean, it was just extraordinary. So I was lucky to enter at the best time, I would think. And what um, was your role with that brand? Were you training other stylists or were you you know, educator? What was your role? Yes, I actually I came, that's a good question. I came as a creative director. Okay. And uh, uh, yes, I was training other stylists uh, and I was also working in uh, editorial. So I, I had a rare combination of being a stylist that were working in a Uh, editorial side, uh, doing magazine, fashion shows, uh, movies, and the salon. So I think this is also why uh, it, that gave me a chance to be a, a little bit more uh, uh, famous than others. Yeah. And then so you peeled off, started your own salon. That, that must be big for a hairdresser, right, that moment? Yes, I think, you know, that's a, a dream come true. You know, you always uh, work for... Uh, a company and uh, other salons, and then all of a sudden you realize that you are running your own salon, and yeah. uh, and that is amazing. And to me, uh, it gave me a, an amazing eye opening. You know, it's just all of a sudden I said, "Why do I want to own a salon?" Yeah, you know, and I said, "Let's do something else." And that's how I started actually the first day spa in uh, 1989 at uh, Berdorf. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, that was, you know, the first salon where you could have lunch, breakfast, pedicure, facial, massage, makeup. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, and at the time, uh, you have to 
realized that there was no cell phone, so every station had a, a landline. It was unheard mm -hmm. of. Uh, so it was really a, a moment of, uh, uh, and it could have been an Instagram moment. We're going to pause for a moment to show some love to one of our show sponsors. Hey, Jill, did you notice that all of a sudden vitamins are tray tray cool? I know. Green smoothies can't do it all alone. Well, I've recently started taking Ritual. It's the subscription-based service that delivers multivitamins straight to your door. Truly a godsend for hashtag mom life. I hear you. I'm not even a mom, but with my freelance schedule, I love that I don't have to spend hours trying to figure out what vitamins to take. The team at Ritual has obsessively researched the main vitamins that women regularly need, put them into one capsule. It's called Ritual Essential for Women. Okay. What's on this list? Like what are they jam packing into one little pill? We've got folate, omega-3, vitamin B12, D3, vitamin K12, iron, boron, vitamin E, and magnesium. Oh my gosh. Imagine taking all of these separately. <laughs> I can't even deal. So I've been taking these for about a month. And the one thing I noticed right away is there's a mint flavor and that helps to kind of disguise that fish taste you get from the omega. So that's awesome. It's just so easy. I literally pop two of these in my mouth as I'm flying out the door trying to get my kids to school on time. It's the best. They're also vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free. These vitamins are so woke. If you go on their website, you can see where every single ingredient is sourced from. Well, better health doesn't happen overnight. We all know that. So right now, Ritual is offering Breaking Beauty listeners in the U.S. 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com beauty to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com beauty. Now back to today's episode. So tell us, you know, a lot of our listeners are millennials some of them are even Gen Z. They haven't heard of Frederick Fakai. And as Jill and I have been beauty editors for so long, you're like a household name to us. So tell them some of your celebrity stories, like who you were working with and what was what were some of the big moments that you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm working with this person doing this. Actually, I'm, I'm a lucky man. You know, I worked with uh, for five years in a row uh, with uh, celebrities that all won the Academy Awards. So that was Meryl Streep, uh, Jessica Lange, Jodie Foster, so on and so on. I mean, yeah. and every year that I was going there, I would have, you know, one of my clients winning either the Golden Globe or the Academy Awards. It was great. So I, I spent a lot of time and you know, and today you cannot do this. But at the time, I was doing two or three celebrity for the for, for the event. Yeah. <laughs> Today, you I mean, if you do one, you're lucky. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so, so this was a, a, an amazing time because uh, I knew them. Most mm. of them, I knew them because I worked previously with them uh, in a magazine or um, a, a commercial. And uh, so they wanted me to, to, to do their hair. They were more confident knowing who, yeah. that it was me. And uh, I have to say, it was an incredible time. I mean, it was uh, the red carpet then was absolutely insane. You know, I think it is today, but in a different way. Uh, at the time, people were idolizing. I mean, they were waiting for to watch on TV. Yeah. Who was who and who they were what and, who, you know, yeah. how beautiful they were. And 
So it was a it was an incredible, very yeah. effervescent moment. And if you don't tune in, you would miss it. Yeah, yes. you would have to exactly. pick up in style or people the next yeah. day and read all about it. And yeah. you know, and the list of celebrities that I touch with my hands are quite. Uh, even today, I look at myself and I say, "My God, it's impressive!" Scarlett Johansson, Salma Hayek, Charlize Theron, and then the, the models like Claudia Schiffer and uh, yeah. uh, Naomi. And so on and so on, you know, Jessica Lang, uh, uh, yeah. Kelly McGillis at the time. I mean, uh, it was incredible. And, yeah. and uh, so all these beautiful people really helped uh, me to uh, to establish a name for myself. And what was what were they coming to you for, these celebrities on the red carpet? Was there a look that you were known for that they were coming to you for? Yes, I, I, I believe that at the time I introduced in New York and in the U.S., uh, a style that was mentioned as casual chic. Mm. So because in the 80s, when I came to New York, the women were either very well groomed, dressed up, and, you know, really overdone, mm-hmm. or casual, mm-hmm. you know, with a ponytail. There was no in-between. So I created a style that was stylish, sophisticated, but yet with movement. Mm-hmm. It was not... I mean, I was actually, the people were laughing at me. I was like, do you ever use hairspray? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, if I was using hairspray, and I was, it was through the hair, not on the hair. Right. So it was not a helmet type of a, a hairstyle. It was, a, you know, a hairstyle that had a contrast, that had movement, that had a, a feathery look. piece. So it looked really lively as yeah. opposed to, and how much was like a great blowout part of this aesthetic, if you were to kind of describe it? You know, I think it's, it, it was important because of the, the blowout was, you know, done with, um, how would I say, without stretching the hair too much. Mm. It was all about uh, making the hair soft, mm-hmm. uh, moving with some soft wave, mm-hmm. uh, smooth, but, but somehow... Uh, curvy and, right. and and flowing. Okay. And so there was an article in yeah. 2004 from the New York Times and they had stated that back in the 90s you were charging $300 for a haircut and this made the news. Um, and this was before, you know, Sally Hirschberger and Orlando Pita who started charging even more and more, you know, it just started getting higher and higher. So you know, describe that time. Were you one of the first to kind of have this big ticket? Were, were your clients surprised or were they just happy to pay? Like what was happening at the time? You know, I realized that actually, you know, I was in the heydays, I was doing, and this is some crazy today, but 90, 95 customer a day. I was starting at eight o'clock in the morning, finishing at eight or nine at night. I had four assistants with me, uh, and I realized that, you know, every time I was increasing the price, there was no price resistance. I thought that I was doing this to actually cut down mm-hmm. the list of uh, of people, but it was actually doing the reverse uh, effect. Oh, and Chanel style. <laughs> Chanel style, you're <laughs> right. keep jacking the price. But, you know, what I realized is that basically vanity has no price. You know, mm-hmm. vanity has no price. And Truth. If, if somebody really helps you define your style and really make sure that, you know, you own your style, you have your personality. I think that people want, it's, and it's true that I'm the one who uh, introduced very high ticket in, 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 in hairstyle. And 
I wanted to make sure that I was elevating also the level of the industry. Mm -hmm. So you cannot raise price if you don't do a good job. Mm -hmm. so, so that made other people to really work harder uh, to deliver and to actually deliver something else than just doing hair. And so there was a slightly more recent article in the Telegraph UK that detailed the moment that Martha Stewart got out of jail. <laughs> and the story goes that the first thing she did was fly you across the country to do her hair. <laughs> Is that true? No, you know, actually, it's partially true. You know, uh, I knew uh, Martha was a customer and she was very good to, to, to me and, and to us. And when she had that trouble, I mean, I couldn't just turn my back, mm -hmm. you know, and I went to visit her. Uh, obviously, I got uh, caught by the paparazzi then, and uh, that story after that came up. But, <laughs> but it was just uh, me uh, being a good friend and, and trying to uh, pay a visit. Okay, okay. Cause it, it, so she wasn't giving tips on how to blow dry her <laughs> hair in jail. <laughs> Oh, you know that, what? That 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 may have happened. She's a, she's unbelievable. She always gives advice to everybody about everything. So I think I think maybe she helped people not only cook but also do yeah. the, their hair and their nails and so on. And what's your number one tip for blow drying hair? We may as well get it right now. I think it's so important that uh, first of all, a lot of people are confused to get a hair that has movement and all this. It, it starts with a, a great massage and shampoo, mm -hmm. and the problem, and this is very important, people put shampoo on their hair are supposed to put it on the scalp. So the first thing I ask is people to put shampoo in the scalp, massage it, and, and, and lather, and then rinse it, and then put the conditioner only on the tips of the hair. You don't need conditioner any, anywhere else. That's number one, so the hair will never be flat. Then when you dry your hair, and this is important, is to flip your hair upside down, and with a dryer, and let's make sure there is always a, a, a nasal mm -hmm. to make sure that it's very directional. Uh, the dryer has to hit the roots upside down, you know, to make sure that you give a little bit of a lift because hair, by gravity, has to go down. Mm -hmm. So it always makes the hair flat. Mm -hmm. So if you do that, you already give the, a little bit of a spring, a little bounce. And then after that, uh, with the dryer, it's very important that it's always pointing down toward the shaft of the hair, not against, otherwise it gets fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And that's why you lose the shine and it doesn't look as smooth, as mm -hmm. glossy as you want to. The air is diffused, always going downward, pushing against the brush and, and sliding the hair down. Okay. And this is very, very important. I just got a great visual of all, all of this coming out of Martha's mouth in, my, in, the, in, <laughs> in the an pen. orange jumpsuit. Yeah, exactly. So what came to, when we were researching um, before this interview, we know that you launched your namesake hair care line, hairstylist back line back in 1995. And that was like right around the time that like Bobby Brown came out with her makeup line and a lot of, and like Francois Nars came out with his namesake line. Did they inspire you to take that step in hair care? Did you see that trend? microtrend happening and think I could do that but in hair care or what was the story there it's interesting because exactly we all we were all friends and working together mm -hmm. and we didn't know that actually we were launching online you know uh, so so uh, you know it's actually interesting because uh, uh, the story of Bobby Brown is, uh, is amazing Bobby Brown actually started in my salon oh. and that's how uh, she started her first 10 lipstick oh you're kidding yes 
So oh, and, it was inside your salon, inside Bergdorf's. And Bel- That's exactly. right. And okay. then and then she moved on. Uh, but w- we were all this amazing. We were getting a lot of attention because we were doing celebrities and the cover of magazines and stuff like that. So so it, it, for me, it was a very interesting thing. The, the way uh, the line came up is actually by default. One day, I realized that uh, I could not find uh, a product that had a treatment effect and a styling effect in the same time. Mm. It was either a styling product or treatment product, none the two together. So I said, why not? And that's how I had the idea of starting my own line. Mm. And, uh, uh, you know, again, started in the salon, you know, trying the product in the salon. And I was lucky enough that I had two amazing customers that were in product development. uh, And uh, and that's how things came up. And so what is the one product that, looking back, you're most proud of that you think was most innovative from Frederick Fakai? Like, what would be the one thing to go out and... So, so actually, there's two products. One is the, the apple cider clearing rinse, mm. was amazing. So it's a, imagine almost like a vinegar without the alcohol and without smelling like a vinaigrette, but with the apple cider. And that would close the shaft of the hair and makes the hair extremely shiny because it, it really gets rid of every impurity in the hair. Mm-hmm. That was number one. And number two is an amazing glossing cream that mm-hmm. was the star of uh, the line for many years because a little dab would go a long way just to make the hair extremely shiny. Um, I mean, really, really glossy. Yeah, those are two of my favorites. Yeah, that's what I think. And that was just like, that apple cider product was so unique at the time. There was nothing like it. Exactly. And it's so trendy now. You know, you were very much ahead of your time. Um, So there's so much blood, sweat, and tears that goes into creating your own brand and putting your name on it. Can you describe the day or the moment where you thought, you know, these people are coming calling, maybe I will sell this brand. How do you, you decided to leave it and then, and then what? You know, it's interesting because when I created a brand, first of all, uh, obviously there is always hurdle, you know, when you create, create a brand, I mean, how do you grow it? How do you distribute it? So there's this painful part of the growth in the business. And, uh, and then one day I got a phone call, you know, uh, uh, from, uh, anonymously from someone who says, you know, can we meet? And I arrived in their office, that was Chanel. Uh, and Chanel wanted to partner and uh, help me build a, a bigger brand. And uh, we did that together. And it was absolutely amazing because, you know, all of a sudden I had resources, uh, not only financially, but also with manpower to extend the line, to grow the brand, and to distribute the brand uh, across the nation. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I didn't even know he was the CEO of Chanel. And so Second Life, mm-hmm. Bastide. And of course, we're here. We have all the products around us. So tell us about the moment that you discovered Bastide. Like, where were you and what was the experience that just sort of took you? So in the, in the early 90s, uh, I met a wonderful woman from the south of France who helped me actually develop a, a bath and body line for Fekai. When the company grew and we sold Fekai, the bath and body line was not 
more uh, longer living because the the acquirer didn't want to um, mm. pursue that. So years later, I went to see her and I said, I would love to do it again. And so we worked together and uh, uh, and then I realized that I need to buy her company and that company was called Code Bastide in the south of France. And we, uh, my wife and I bought it in 2015 and we dropped the name Cote, we kept Bastide. It's about the lifestyle, it's about craftsmanship. So here we're trying to celebrate uh, the terroir of Provence by for, for its rich soil and ingredients. As we know in France, I mean, the south of France, there's amazing uh, ingredients, you know, scent, flavors, herbs, plants. And, and uh, we wanted to captivate uh, that and create some product out of this. And also we wanted to celebrate the, the, the artisan, what I was talking about earlier, the, the great artisan. So here this brand is not made by any big lab, lab or big manufacturing plant. It's all by mom and pop shop that has the scale and the skills to help us uh, uh, grow the brand. So we want the best of the best. And the idea came up like about living in the south of France. When you live in the south of France, you don't go to a supermarket to buy everything at once. Mm -hmm. You go to the best baker, the best grocer, the best cheesemaker, you know, and you, you're always carefully selecting the ingredients. And I think it's part of the beauty of Provence because people are glowing because they really are paying attention to what they they're really uh, uh, eating and putting in their, in, in their body. So we wanted to do the same thing here, use the best artisan. So for instance, the candle you see in front of you, it's a hand-blown glass mm. uh, in a little town called Biot, B-I-O-T, uh, where, you know, it's, uh, it, it's they're the only known for the bubble glass, you know, like that. Uh, so we want to make sure that we use that as opposed to a, mm. a, a glass made... Uh, uh, somewhere for mm -hmm. um, huge, huge quantity. And the fragrance, I think, is such a huge backbone to this line. And there's a new one coming out this month, right? Vervain de Sud? Exactly. Can you tell us Bravo. about that? Yes. So that's actually a, a fragrance that's very dear to, to, to me. Uh, it's, uh, it's called Vervain du Sud, so Verbena, which is very lemony. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, you know, every fragrance has uh, basically release some emotion on you. And this is a one who transports you right away uh, to feel almost like in vacation. It's a, it, it's a, it has a great energy. It's a very tonic. It's a, it's a, it's a little bit of citrus, but with rosemary, with uh, you know, uh, other, uh, other element that gives you a, a, a sense of happiness and, and, and cleanness. Mm -hmm. Perfect for summer. A little birdie told us that in the fall, you're going to be launching into skincare. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Is that something you've always wanted to do or is this just a new yes. venture? Skincare was uh, always part of the plan. It's a much more difficult project, you know, and uh, we are coming out in the spring, in the, in the fall, sorry, with uh, two uh, uh, beautiful products, um, one is a clay mask and one is a serum. Mm. The clay mask is actually a, a mineral clay mask coming from the earth of a, a, a region called Roussillon next to Provence, in Provence. 
and uh, uh, it's very uh, antioxidant and, and purifying, which is great. And then a serum, which is an amazing blend of nine oil, nine precious oil that uh, are, have a dual benefit, one for the face and, and, and the other one for the neck. So what it does is actually uh, replenishing the skin, moisturizing, hydrating the skin, but also soothing and, ref and firming the skin which uh, 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 we all want. Mm -hmm. so, and that's, that's coming this fall, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're not slowing down. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, made it, what made you compelled to do this line? Because you could just go and retire in the south of France at this point and just <laughs> actually live the lifestyle. So why are you working so hard? Like, why you do know, you have to do it? It's a very good question. You know, I tried that. Actually, I tried for four for, for years, you know, when I was a consultant to, to, to enjoy life and to do it. And I did. But, you know, it, I felt empty. Hmm. What I miss is absolutely. I went to see my shrink and said, "What is wrong with me? I mean, I could just, as you said, you know, uh, having a great time and uh, uh, do all kind of things." And you know, I just realized that uh, I needed intellectually uh, to stimulate my brain, and also it's almost like a sport. If you like a sport, you want to play. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was not playing. I was like on the side, you know, looking at everyone else doing things and. My passion is always, you know, about building, building brand, yeah. working uh, with a team and creating, creating a great product, but also uh, uh, delivering an amazing experience. And, and, mm -hmm. and so I did that in a salon, I did a product, and here I, I like to do it in every home. In other news, you've bought back Frederick Fakai. Tell us about that. You know, uh, and that is also another thing. You know, I just realized that uh, my name, was on the shelves and on other stores and uh, that there was no innovation happening. There was no excitement. And there was just product sold on the shelves. So I said to myself, oh God, I gotta change that. And I called uh, the, the owner at the time and I said, you know, would you consider selling it? And we did talk and I, I bought it back and now we are full blast coming up with amazing product and also uh, a very interesting uh, the product that are very relevant to today's with the, you know eco-friendly bottles and uh, uh, formulation with no nasties, uh, very clean and incredible performance. So we are very excited to come up with a, a few lines there that are going to, I think, uh, uh, revolutionize the hair industry. And so looking back at your career, what advice would you give to a young Frederick Fakai Coming to New York City, 1982, I don't know how old you were. What would you tell yourself? Uh, very quickly, like this, uh, in retrospect, you know, I, I think to myself, what makes someone having a great journey? Let's not talk about success, just a great journey, because success is very relative. It's, uh, it's, it's really about somebody who really, first of all, has a passion, has integrity, uh, has risk taker, because if you don't do that, there's no place for you. And really, somebody who is eager, even if he's good or she's good, is eager to learn better. You know, to me, it's like, how can you reinvent yourself all the time? Because if you think you're, you're just good at what you do, that's the end of it. 
Thanks for tuning in. Visit BreakingBeautyPodcast.com for details on all the damn good products we talked about in today's episode. And be sure to sign up for our newsletter. That way you'll get every episode delivered right to your inbox. You won't miss a single thing. Or subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast fix. And please show us some love by rating us or reviewing us in iTunes. See you next time. Like a cherry bomb, like a cherry bomb.